Welcome to our Good Friday service of meditation and reflection. Um, I'm just going to give you a bit of an idea about how we're going to flow through um, our time together. So we've, we are um, looking at six aspects of Jesus and other people in the story um, of, of Jesus' journey from the garden that we looked at yesterday, the Garden of Gethsemane, to the grave. Our, our theme for Holy Week is uh, grave to gardens, but today our reflection is garden to grave. So um, it'll just, the, the service will naturally flow and we'll leave quite a lot of space for silence. So if there is nothing happening, then that's deliberate for us to just reflect on the things that we've heard. Um, and uh, I will introduce the start of each section with a, a small bidding prayer and there's time for you to respond. So let, let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, as we journey with you from the garden to the grave today, take us deeper into the story of all you have suffered and went through. Help us see that through your sacrifice and your death, we are forgiven and can receive your marvellous grace. Amen. Our first section, Accepting. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to accept the paths you call us to walk along, whether they are smooth and straight or difficult and steep. Lord, have mercy. John 18, verses 1 to 14, and 19 to 24. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went to it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, said Jesus. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. 
Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers, with its commander and the Jewish officials, arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. failing. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to recognise our failures and acknowledge our wrongdoing. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Our second reading is from John 18, verses 15 to 18 and 25 to 27. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. <coughs> Sorry. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, 
and the servants and officials stood round a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. The hour is late, the night dark and chilly. Peter has followed Jesus all the way to the temple courtyard where the Saviour, under heavy guard, awaits his hearing. He comes because Jesus is his Lord, because Jesus would have come for him had the tables been turned. He comes to help not knowing what he can do, or how, or when. A thousand scenarios crowd his mind. He is confused and torn. Do I grab a sword and fight? No, he rebuked me for that in the garden. Do I testify on his behalf? A lot of good that would do. Do I just watch and listen so I can rally the disciples in the morning? Cloaked in anonymity, Peter comes to warm himself by a campfire, a radius of warmth shared by his Lord's captors. He comes to think, to sort things out, to plan his next move. He sits pushing his palms against the heat, rubbing his arms. He takes from the fire its warmth and the idle companionship of strangers, small-talking the evening away. Talk around the campfire crackles with news of the Nazarene's arrest. They point to Jesus as they talk and nod and lay odds on his chances. Snakes of fire slither upward and hiss licking the night air. By the light of these flames, Satan will do his work. A servant girl squints at Peter through the uncertain light cast by the fire. This man was with him. Peter feels the heat of the incriminating flames and flatly denies the charge. He begins to sweat now. What good would I be? <clears throat> what good would I be to Jesus if my identity was out in the open? It would only make matters worse. And who would get word back to the others? 
Some time later, there is another accusation and immediately another denial, only more forceful this time. Finally, his accent gives him away. You're a Galilean, I can tell by the way you talk. You must be one of his disciples. He would have to think quick to get around that one. He then curses and swears, letting loose a herd of expletives in hopes of kicking up enough dust to cloud his identity. In no uncertain terms, he denies any association with Jesus. The ploy seems to have worked. The circle around the campfire appears satisfied. But somewhere in the night, a rooster stretches its neck shakes its feathers and crows an indictment. The disciple jerks his head around and catches Jesus looking at him. It is a brief moment, almost too short to be intimate. But a moment like this has a way of stretching and framing itself to hang in the mind. The Saviour utters no words nor does he shake his head in disgust or lower it in disappointment. His look is not a begrudged, I told you so. It is sympathetic from one who knows what it's like to fall into the winnowing hands of Satan. Jesus has been there too for 40 days in a barren wilderness he knows how hard the winnow is and how ruthless the adversary's hand that holds it. No, his look carries no grudge. It is the look of a friend who understands. With that look, all of Peter's pent-up emotions suddenly cave in on themselves. He runs from the courtyard bitter tears stinging his eyes. He stops somewhere outside and beats his fists against his chest. He pulls at his hair, he gnarls his face. The weight of his guilt is too much to bear. He collapses in a wailing heap. He weeps for the saviour he has so miserably failed and he weeps for himself. Oh God, no, no, no. What have I done? What have I done? God, take this one dark hour from me. Turn back the night. Give me another chance. Please, O oh God, turn back the night. But the night will not be turned back. And this darkest of hours will not be taken from him. When the tears finally do stop, the night has paled to grey. Soon it will be dawn.
choosing. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to choose to listen to your voice and not the voice of others who call loudly to us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. John 18, verses 28 to 40. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If you were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. John gives an account of three trials of Jesus on trial for his life, all unlawful, all unjust, before Annas, before Caiaphas, ex-high priest and current high priest, and the council of leaders. Caiaphas had already chosen his course. The council asked, what should we do? This man performs so many miracles and signs. If we let him go on like this, the people will believe in him and the Romans will come 
and take away our place, the temple, and our nation, exile again. And we've heard his prophetic answer. It is expedient that one man should die for the people. Guilt and sentence predetermined long ago in heaven as well as in Jerusalem. John doesn't bother with Herod's trial, disappointed at not seeing a miracle. Herod chose a mock trial, a beating, and sent Jesus back to Pilate. He chose not to pursue his interest. Peter, we've heard, had chosen to deny Jesus. The soldiers, the officers of the Jews, had arrested him, and the council and the chief priests, they chose to hand him over to Pilate. But they'd forgotten to fix a charge. That lame old ass. If you were not doing evil, we wouldn't have delivered him to you. And then the truth. We can't kill him. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asks whether that's the Jewish charge or whether Pilate has thought of that himself. Now, it's a Roman trial for letting others, Palm Sunday, call him king five days before. That's treason. So crucifixion is an available sentence. Any voice in Jesus' favor? Only Pilate's wife have nothing to do with this righteous man, Matthew 27. First, Pilate chooses to let Jesus go, Luke 23. The Jews object. Pilate chooses again, a compromise. Outside, they have become a large crowd of the Jewish people. Luke 28, Mark 15, Matthew 27. He chooses, he chooses to let them choose another trial by popular vote. And they choose between Barabbas taken up in an insurrection, a robber, murderer, terrorist perhaps, perhaps even once seen as a liberating messiah himself, the son of an unidentified father, powerless in Roman hands, and Jesus, the real messiah, the real son of the father, one to live for freedom of a kind, one to die for freedom of another kind. They, the chief priests, the council, the officers, the crowd, choose Barabbas for life of a kind and Jesus for death. And Jesus, he chose obedience to his father's will known before the foundation of the earth, revealed by the prophet Isaiah, not five legions of angels. He chose three years before when tempted in the wilderness and every day since then. Putting on the seamless robe of fulfilled prophecy. And us, 
Like the two freedom fighters crucified on either side of Jesus, who one chose to revile him, the other to trust him. Who do we choose? What do we choose? Self-interest, human wisdom, independence, national sovereignty, justice, our way, or the will of God, the Son of God, revealed in Scripture and by his Spirit, revealed in glory at his cross and his resurrection and ascension, offering his freedom for everyone then and still offering freedom in himself for everyone now. To every one of us, if we choose, choose to believe and accept him for life, not just today, but every day and for eternity. Hallelujah. following. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to follow you, the King of all creation. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. John 19, <clears throat> verses 1 to 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. 
As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a, at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Here is a story to break your heart. Are you willing? This winter the loons came to our harbour and died one by one. <clears throat> of nothing you could see. A friend told me of one on the shore that lifted its head and opened the elegant beak and cried out in the long, sweet savouring of its life which if you heard it, you'd know is a sacred thing. And for which if you've not heard it, you'd better hurry to where they still sing. And believe me, tell no one just where that is. The next morning, this loon speckled and iridescent and with a plan to fly home to some hidden lake was dead on the shore. I tell you this to break your heart. 
by which I mean only that it break open and never close again to the rest of the world. Why do we call this Friday good? Is it because Jesus shows us love and mercy even unto death? Is it because the cross declares God's solidarity with all those who suffer or that God has canceled every debt? Is it because Jesus subversively transforms some of the worst things in the world, the Roman cross, violence, hate crime, betrayal among friends, into some of the best things in the world, the tree of life, grace, resurrection, forgiveness among enemies? thereby proclaiming that in the end, God will redeem everything. Or is it because, as Oliver puts it, the story will break our hearts open, never to close again to the rest of the world? God of mercy, forgive us. Break our hearts open, never again to close to the rest of the world. Finishing. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to hold fast to the truth that in your death you have put an end to suffering, pain, and death for all humanity.
Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. John 19, verses 17 to 30. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, Here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk, of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. See, as they strip the robe from off his back and spread his arms and nail them to the cross. The dark nails pierce him and the sky turns black and love is firmly fastened onto loss. But here a pure change happens. On this tree, 
loss becomes gain, death opens into birth. Here, wounding heals and fastening makes free. Earth breathes in heaven, heaven roots in earth. And here we see the length, the breadth, the height, where love and hatred meet and love stays true. Where sin meets grace and darkness turns to light, we see what love can bear and be and do. And here, our Saviour calls us to his side. His love is free. His arms are open wide. O oh Lord, what went wrong? How did you come to be upon the cross? Your arms outstretched, your heart holding all that went wrong. Somehow love held all that had gone wrong. And as you hung upon the cross, there began the rebirth of all that had been lost, seemed to have been lost into life. Help us, help us, hold the deaths we must face knowing in our hearts you are with us, your spirit drawing us into life. Amen.
witnessing. Lord Jesus, as we walk with you, help us to bear witness that you gave your life for us and suffered and died that we might be made whole. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. John 19, 31 to 42. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. As we depart, I would invite you to come and collect a a wooden cross from one of the baskets at the front of church. And take it with you as we journey from the grave, the garden tomb, to the glory of Easter Day, when the garden will be transformed. So I pray. By his stripes we are healed. By his wounds we are made whole. Let us go in the name of Christ 
and live in the salvation made possible by the goodness of this Friday. Amen.